Managing your 401k is hard. Bloom isn't. See what you could be doing to make your 401k better by getting a free analysis at bloom401k.com fool. That's bloom with three O's, 401k.com fool. It's Monday, June 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Taylor Muckerman and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. hey Happy to have you. It's good to be here. How are you feeling? <laughs> Excellent. Good, yeah. good. Well, I'm, I'm looking at you, Taylor, and you have a real beard, and I have this. I just feel like a pretender right now. I don't know, man. It's pretty I, strong. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's You're nice to say that. I feel like you could... Grab that with your fingers pretty well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't well, know. I've got the cleanly shaved face. <laughs> well, I guess I shaved yesterday. I didn't shave this morning, but the Harry's razors, the, the very Harry's razors that we advertise, I'll tell you, that's the greatest thing ever. There you go. I mean, you can just set it and forget, I'll never not be a Harry's member again, I don't think. One and of our first advertisers. It, yeah. yeah. I like it. And nothing makes for great audio like discussing beers. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Because you can just you put it in your mind's eye, right? We can we're, shave into the microphone. We're all very handsome. That's all you need to know. Okay, guys. Well, let's, let's do something a little different. It's a Monday. We're looking at the day's business news. Nothing really jumped at us. Nothing grabbed us. So, I want to kick around some questions. It's a bit like a list email, but in this case, the mail is coming from me. The questions are coming from me, or in some cases, um, we cooked up a few questions here. And I want to get right to it, and I want to begin, Jason, with one of your favorite companies. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite services, but not necessarily my favorite company, Twitter. Twitter has been on quite the roll lately in terms of the stock. My question for you, is Twitter's recent success for real? So The short answer is yes. I think it is. Um, For a long time, Twitter was a favorite service of mine, and the business was kind of uh, leaving me a little bit disenchanted. But but recently, I mean, we've seen Twitter turn a corner, and and I think that is primarily due to management. I think it was primarily due to Jack Dorsey stepping back in uh, to that CEO role, And, and it was unfortunate that when he stepped in, a lot of people expected changes immediately. You can't change something like that. Overnight, I mean, there were a lot of problems the company had from lack of a vision, lack of leadership, really no forward thinking in the business model. The financials were a mess in regard to stock-based compensation. So he had a lot of stuff that he had fixed. But but hats off to him because I think he's done that. He's done a very good job, and we're seeing a lot of changes to the platform now that are creating a lot of engagement. And I think they've done a very good job in sort of shifting the discussion from monthly users. To daily users, and I think for a platform like Twitter, that's what matters more, because it's focused on what's going on in the world now and on a day-to-day basis. That changes. So when you're stoking that daily engagement, that gives you a lot more to work with. So you mentioned the business. How do they make money, and how do they make more money than that? Right. Well, they're they're making money via advertising primarily. I mean, this is an advertising play, and I don't know that changes really anytime in the near future. But I think what they did to make themselves a more credible advertising play was pivot more towards video. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's short-form content or even live-streaming something like Bonnaroo that they did over this past weekend, they're figuring out ways to get lots of different eyeballs onto the platform for any period of time. It's not like you're going to go sit there and look at Twitter for you know an hour. But, but if you have five minutes to spare, you're on the train or something, it, it creates engagement, which is ultimately what they're going for. And we're seeing a lot of data out there uh, via channel checks within the industry. And I'll call out empirical capital here uh, as one uh, 
uh, firm that that has has seen this this sort of shift. It, it's indicating that brands and agencies are looking to diversify, spending away from the bigs in Facebook and Google, and more towards other options. And Twitter is now being seen as a more viable option. That's where we're looking for the money to come from here in the coming years. Is advertising growing out that video offering? So far, it seems like they're doing some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I think in the last quarter, it was a little over 50% of ad revenue coming from video, over a thousand live streamed events. You're talking about a new deal with Disney, um, covering a host of their platforms, MLB, a weekly game there, MLS, they have a three year agreement with them. So, sports, music, news with Bloomberg, and uh, entertainment with Disney. So, a lot of big name partners there. Yeah, the World Cup, I think, is going to be a big opportunity because that's such a global mm-hmm. event, and that, that'll be another way to go. Or a lot of eyeballs all over the world, and Mac, you know, I'd be re- I'd be remiss to not mention the fact that I called out Twitter as my top stock in Investor Place's top stock of 2018 contest mm-hmm. this okay, year. Mac. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. <laughs> How is that working? And out? I don't want to jinx it, but right now Twitter shares are up 71 percent for the year. I am in a firm and controlling. 11 percentage point lead over the second second place holder there. So, hey, you know, I, I, I send my my thanks to management. Did you guys just keep doing what you're doing? Let's bring this thing home. Okay, <laughs> should you also send your thanks to President Trump, who I think is one of the higher profile Twitter users? Yeah. And, and that is, there's a serious question here. Overall, is it just me or has Trump been good for the business of Twitter? I think that regardless of Trump, I think that the world that's net a dodge. Wins you can't go Twitter, But I do think he creates more. I think he creates more engagement. Um, makes it more, I, makes I, it more relevant, right? He, yeah, he does. I don't think that when he is out of office, I don't think that changes the value proposition mm-hmm. there. Uh, I, I hate political Twitter, to be honest with you. I'm much more of a finance Twitter and sports Twitter kind of guy. But I think that just goes to show really. The opportunities that the company has in all of these different verticals, whether it's entertainment or finance or politics, Twitter has a place in all of it. And so it's not going to be beholden to one specific celebrity or politician. Kind of like Snap, we've seen recently with Snapchat's fumbles, they're a bit more beholden to those celebrities at this point. It's not to say they will be forever, but Twitter, I think, is beyond that at this point. Interestingly enough, the court said that Trump can't block anybody on Twitter since he's such a high profile public yeah. figure. Yeah, That's I right. mean, as, as a public <laughs> yeah. dissemination service, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I get that. Like, I can block anybody I want, but I'm not. Tweeting out public policy, right? (laughs) So, nor am I. (laughs) Okay, our second big question. Um, Let's let's stay on the subject of social media, and this time let's talk Facebook. Facebook, of course, over the last few months, over the past year or so, a number of privacy issues cropping up, a number of concerns. So the question is: Will Facebook's privacy issues catch up with the stock performance? Because the stock over the over the last year still been a great stock. Stock is up. Yeah, personally for me, it's impacted my usage of Facebook. I'm basically uh, off of it for the last six to 12 months, almost entirely now. Um, So maybe I'm an outlier. But I think, yeah, certainly this could start to catch up, especially with some of their new initiatives. Interesting, they launched their dating service right after all these uh, date, these uh, privacy breaches. So because everybody wants those two worlds to <laughs> yeah, that's lie, right. right? Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> they, they say they're walled off, but they've said that about other things too. So and you come to find out that your data is being shared across services within Facebook and even with um, access that they've given to special partners um, for your data. So. 
I am wary if I was a, sh a Facebook shareholder that if you know a few more big things like that come out that um, you're going to see this start to catch up to them and maybe we see it over the next couple quarters when you when they start to release more data about the user base and uh, see if that curtails anything there because I, I certainly have less faith in the business personally. Yeah, should it suffer? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, will it? I I'm not as convinced that it will. Time will only tell. But I mean, this is also coming from the perspective of someone who just recently deleted his entire Facebook account, right? I mean, I just I came to the conclusion that I never use it. I mm -hmm. don't get really anything out of it. I don't even want to have a presence there. So I just erased it all. Yeah. Not that there was that much to erase, but whether it's Messenger or Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp, or I, I don't use those platforms. And so for me, I think I'm probably the outlier there. Most I think it's a big world, and a lot of people use at least one of those platforms and, and like using it. Privacy issues be damned. So I, I think ultimately they're going to be okay because when you have a user base that big, that it's really big, difficult yeah. to make a meaningful kind of ding, in in that user base. And so whether you're reaching 1.5 billion people or 2 billion people, or let's just think about it from the perspective that more and more of the world is going to become more and more connected as time goes on. Facebook's just going to play a role in that. I think it it definitely hinders their ability to make meaningful acquisitions going forward. And that's probably where the growth questions come into play. Uh, but for the foreseeable future, I think Google and Facebook really are the two bigs in the advertising space. And I don't know that these fumbles necessarily change that. It's trying other things, the dating, expanding the marketplace internationally. Jobs are now a part of the Facebook platform. So, um, other ways to maybe get some revenue there outside of ads. Not, nearly not as big, but still. And Taylor, you mentioned the dating, and when Facebook announced um, their dating initiative plans, Match Match Group sold off pretty sharply. Mm -hmm, yeah, do, you, do you think that was an overreaction? Personally, yeah. I mean, they have a stranglehold on the online dating with where they have Tinder, OkCupid, um, Match, obviously, and a few others. So um, I think they're pretty well ingrained in terms of the user base. Maybe they maybe Facebook attracts new users to the in the dating pool, but I think if you're already on those platforms, you're you're pretty much there to stay. Yeah, that's I, I kind of question. I, I felt like that was a big overreaction. Mm -hmm. I feel like so many people are using Match and its properties already. The last thing I would imagine you want to do is try to start transferring all of that data, you know, to another platform, sure. so to speak. And speaking of new users. That's going to be the big problem here because Mac, you and I have kids that are around the same age, and I don't know about you, but neither of my girls have any interest whatsoever in establishing a Facebook profile. Now we're teaching them how to use Instagram, or my wife is teaching them. I don't really know how to use it, but I can't imagine it's much different than any of the others. Others, but I think it just is a matter of as far as new users. That's where the Facebook platform really comes into question because it doesn't seem like anybody younger than twenty. Really, even cares about it. Mm -hmm. They need to buy Fortnite because that appears to be <laughs> the primary communications device yeah. for kids these days. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it goes back to all of the Mark Zuckerberg made the effort to acquire Snapchat. He made the effort to acquire Twitter. Mm -hmm. He acquired Instagram. He acquired WhatsApp. There's a reason, right? I think he even knows that these things have finite lives. Yeah, and and you have to have something else somewhere where people are going to go next. And that's been a part of his strategy all along is trying to acquire uh, those places where people are going next. I think that's just going to be a lot more difficult going forward. Okay, guys. Well, let's attempt something never before attempted. Let's try to make the transition from Facebook and Match and Tinder to inside ownership. Yes, yeah, <laughs> sexy. The Oso oh world. Yeah, Jason, you're you're always. I mean, you're just. 
you're, you're at times you can be kind of an eat your spinach guy. We're kicking around topics and I'm thinking, you know, let's talk Facebook. Let's talk about, you know, this. And you're like, you know what? I've got inside stock buying on my mind. I like spinach. Yeah, That's great. It's too. good. And you need Had spinach. Some this morning. You kale. And I, I, mean really that, I mean that in all the best ways because we need to eat a bit of spinach here. So here's the question. What does insider buying and selling mean for investors? Because we're hearing a lot about this lately. Yeah. And, and I, I, I have very strong feelings on this one, actually. I think that insider selling, you'll see a lot of people make a big deal about insider selling. Oh, my God, these insiders are selling shares. I can't believe it. That's just total bear signal if I've ever seen one. In, from my perspective, it's a non-event. And one of the main reasons why is because a lot of times insider selling is based on Rule 105 b dash one you know, may sound like may sound like I'm going all rules of golf on you, Mac. But really, this is just one of those things. It's a it's a trading plan that's adopted by an insider well in advance, so that they can stagger out sales uh, programmatically, essentially, so that there is not the they don't have that opportunity to be accused really of taking advantage of a situation or selling on inside information. They set these plans well in advance. And so in most cases, that's what's being used. And um, and Evan Evan Williams, one of the co-founders of Twitter, who still owns just a ton of shares, I mean, has been selling a lot of those shares over over the past couple of years. But but if you go through and you look at those filings, I mean, most if not all of those sales are based on that very rule that I just mentioned. So for me, insider selling is a non-event. I don't really care about it. Insider buying to me is much more compelling because typically you're buying stock for one reason. Mm-hmm. Whether you're an insider or an outsider, you're buying it for one reason. So I give that a little bit more sway. But when I'm looking at companies, insider ownership is an interesting data point. It's not one that I base a buy decision on though. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, selling, you know, yourself for any number of reasons. A lot of times, these folks, if they're founders sure. or early investors, they have a significant amount of their wealth tied up in these companies. So uh, maybe the you know life event happens, or you just want to kind of diversify yourself a little bit. Um, but obviously, at the fool, we really like insider ownership. Uh, our partnership portfolio that we just launched um, in the U.S. here, concentrating on founder-led companies with high insider ownership and. Um, I, I like to look at that. It's one of the few, one of the first things I look for. It's not the most important thing, but it's certainly something that we keep on our radar in up in Stock Advisor Canada and other and elsewhere um, when examining companies. Okay, guys. Well, before we get to our final question, I want to say thanks again to Bloom for supporting Market Foolery. It's time to get your retirement on track and fix your four hundred one k with Bloom. That's Bloom with three O's. Sounds tough. It's not. In fact, it only takes five minutes. Now, go online to bloom401k.com fool and simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps. Then sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account and chooses the best mix to meet your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. Bloom's pricing is $10 a month, regardless of account size. $10, guys! That's not much. A mere pittance. <laughs> they link to your existing 401k so you don't have to move your money, and they are a completely independent advisor. So you know you're getting unbiased expert investment advice. Bloom researches, invests, manages, monitors, and grows your 401k while you relax. Bloom is so simple. In fact, 
the hardest part is just remembering that there are three O's in blue. You got it? How <laughs> many the, O's? Just an extra ooh. There you I'm go. making bloom. some money. Three O's. Bloom. <laughs> go to bloom401k.com slash fool and enter promo code fool for your first month free and see the difference bloom could make in your retirement. You could argue that they're just trying to throw an extra zero on your retirement account. Ooh, ooh, I like that nice. perspective, right? That's, That's bloom a good one. with three O's. Okay, guys. Final question. And this is one of my favorite questions. We're not going to ask the first company to a trillion dollars because we know that Apple is just all around beating down the door. Yes, yeah, Yeah, Apple's very close. What I am going to ask is, of all the large cap companies, and let's say five hundred billion plus. So how many how many do we have in that group? I think there's seven. If if my screen turned up, and that includes Alibaba and Tencent overseas. Yeah. Okay. So looking at those mega cap companies, which company is best positioned over the next five years for investors? Personally, I mean, I would go with Amazon just because it's based on the consumer and a lot of repeat sales in in a business model that's well diversified beyond just e-commerce. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go with Amazon. Same. Yeah, it's. I've been a fan of it ever since I first joined Prime. I don't know, like almost ten years ago. Um, and so hard to beat it. I have never had a bad experience. Yeah, I mean, it's not consumer. to take anything away from these other businesses. Yeah, right? no. we're not talking okay. about the first one to a trillion. Okay, we're talking about the the next five best years. investment returns. What's the best one you can? I mean, you could probably argue against Apple just because it's already so big anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you have what Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Google or Alphabet, yeah, um, Tencent, and Alibaba. Yeah, so I, yeah, okay. I feel like. Okay, so throw Microsoft in there is sort of a uh, dark horse. Yeah, you know, interesting. Okay, yeah. so I want you now to argue against Amazon because there seems to be some agreement here. Amazon over the next five years, what's the biggest threat to Amazon? Maybe it's something obvious. Maybe it's something that people aren't really talking about. Oh, in terms of growth, I think that you know international uh, expansion is going to play a big part over the next five years. So I think if there's some stumbling blocks there, um, I don't know if that necessarily hurts the business as it is today, but. If you're looking at the next five years, you want the business to be growing. So I think that that could be a threat to its growth prospects. If there's any stumbling blocks in Europe, I know they're trying to get into South America a little bit, and they just announced Australia can only access some Australian vendors on Amazon Prime. So I'm wondering, you know, maybe something going on there. Maybe the shipping cost is a little too high from getting goods from the U.S. or Europe all the way to Australia for free. But I think international expansion is a Big big opportunity, and so therefore one of the biggest threats. If there's any any stumbling there, yeah, making a lot of investments internationally, mm-hmm. India in particular. India I, too. I, yeah, I think that Amazon's biggest threat right now is probably itself. And what I mean by that is that when you get really big like they are, I mean they have a hundred million Prime users, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. That's not one billion. So you're going to feel churn a little bit more than something like a Facebook if people decide to leave and go elsewhere. But the bigger Amazon gets, and the value proposition that Prime really plays into, that two-day free shipping, if all of a sudden people start seeing that it's taking their shipping three, four, five days, if you see more of that type of behavior, then the potential is there for people to say, well, you know what? I'm not getting the same value out of Prime that I feel like I once got. Mm -hmm. I used to feel special, and now I don't feel as special anymore, because the membership's gotten so big and potentially just more difficult to manage. So I feel like that could be the biggest challenge for them in the near term, at least, because if you start losing that value proposition, they just raised prices on the Prime membership, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. If you take that away, they don't have that ability to do that. And if you have Prime members leaving, 
their financials look a lot different, and that that to me is going to be a big challenge. They just need to keep on the logistics side of it. And I think I think they're doing that because I drove up to Philly for a wedding this weekend, and I can't even count how many prime yeah. trucks I saw. I saw, on, yeah. I saw your it was amazing. Yeah, like was every funny. time I looked up from the speedometer or my rearview <laughs> yeah. mirror, I felt like I was seeing a prime truck on I ninety five. I've noticed that as well, and they're and they're really they're leveraging a lot of that other infrastructure out there, right? Whether it's Uber or Lyft or people looking to make a quick buck, yeah. they're figuring out ways to get those those. Goods uh, to, to your house and on time. I, I have no complaints personally, and I have a lot of stuff uh, shipped to our house, but um, it's a risk that's out there. And all the drone patents they have um, out there, who knows what, the, what what that holds in store? And we have any concerns that Bezos may step down at some point? The guy's a huge space enthusiast. Mm-hmm. He's got more money than he needs. He's got more <laughs> money than anyone else has money. Um, you think that's a, that's an issue at all, or not an issue? I don't know. You look at Musk, what he's doing with space and Tesla and uh, Solar City and all that. And I think you know Bezos is wants to be right up there with Elon Musk with being kind of this playboy that has uh, ambitions to move to Mars one day. So I think that uh, that's certainly not something that I think, unless you know health setback or um, maybe Blue Origin takes a huge leap forward, and uh, and then that kind of for humanity's sake, he needs to concentrate on that more. But I think that he's pretty well ingrained in Amazon. Yeah, I think in the near term, that's his baby. That's what he mm-hmm. that's what he really wants to grow out. The other stuff is playtime. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, I'm I'm I want to ask you my desert island question, but I think I know the answer. We've <laughs> talked to Amazon, we've talked Facebook, we've talked Twitter, um, we've we've kicked around a few different companies like Match Group. You're on a desert island over the next five years. Is is it Amazon? Is it all about Amazon? See, you think I would go with Amazon, but oh, that's I'm actually okay. going to go with Twitter. I think there's more opportunity. It's amazing to me actually that Twitter's only a thirty billion dollar company. Wow. And when we think about this now, it's a fully profitable business. It's cash flow positive with good management and a platform that has proven very, very difficult to disrupt. And I think it's one that the world needs. So there are just too many reasons I think today, if they keep doing what they're doing. I think there's a lot of opportunities. So you're going Twitter, Taylor? Yeah, I mean that's a good choice. Amazon, I'm very comfortable holding my money in there for the next five years, but it's already so big. Maybe it's not the biggest growth opportunity. Um, Certainly among the 500 billion dollar companies, it might be, Um, but among all companies, all companies we've talked about. Oh, that we've talked about. Oh, um, then yeah, Twitter. It's a fairly big holding for me. Um, So I would have to ride that. And I I don't own Facebook or or Match, so knock those right off the consideration. Yeah, I don't own Facebook. I never will. To me, like it's just the biggest hold your nose investment out there. It just stinks. (laughs) But you can't not own it. Like it, it just it's too big to fail basically. But I I just don't like it. So I'm not gonna buy it. Okay, we we sound just so like grumpy old men. <laughs> old <curmudgeons. laughs> we, need, we need to get Emily in here, stat. That's right. Kids these days. Okay, guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.